Good morning. How's everybody? Good. The other morning, um, I was on my way to work, and I'm probably no different than anyone else. I have several different routes that I can take, and each one of those routes, I know just exactly how long it's going to take me to get there. But if something gets in my way or something hinders me, it takes a little bit longer. And this particular morning, I was running a little late, just a little late, and it seemed like every stoplight I came to was red. And that perturbed me just a little bit because I knew it was going to make me late for work. The lights were going to make me wait late for work. <clears throat> and then I remembered a story that Mike had shared with us a while back about him having a an issue with the stoplights at times and how he felt it was such a waste of time to have to sit there and wait for these red lights. And then he decided that what a good time it would be to pray while he's waiting for those lights. So I took his advice. The only problem was I was praying for the lights to change. <clears throat> well, most of us, we just we don't like to wait. Who does? Anyone? Nobody likes to wait for anything. Has everyone heard the old saying, good things come to those who wait? Anybody buy into that? <clears throat> One. How about this? How about when you're waiting in the dentist's office for a root canal? That's not so good. How about if you're waiting in the IRS's office for an audit? That's not so good. And my favorite, waiting in line at the county treasurer's office to pay my property taxes. That's not so good either. <clears throat> we just don't like to wait. But you know, there are things that are good that we wait for. What about uh, our wedding day? That's a good thing. How about waiting for our first child to be born, or any of our children to be born, for that matter? That's worth waiting for. How about buying your first home? There's a lot of things that are truly worth waiting for. But you know, we live in this world of instant gratification. Our society just does not advocate to wait for anything. It's, I've got to have it now. Got to have it now. You know, I think about, oh, a hundred years ago, maybe a little more, life in this country was a little different. Um, you may have lived in a small town or may have not lived in a town at all, but if you needed supplies or you needed something, there may have been a little store, there may have not been. You may have had to order things from the catalog, and if you did, it may have taken weeks, if not months, to get a pair of shoes or a new harness for your horse or whatever it was. Today, I can go on the Internet, go on a website, click a FedEx shipment overnight, and have it the next day. I don't want to wait. You know, you think about all the different types of foods that we have that are instant. Why? We don't want to wait. Instant coffee, instant pudding, instant tea, instant this, instant that. <clears throat> How about microwave ovens? 25 years ago or so when they came out, they were just the bee's knees, so to speak. Everybody had to have one. 
They, they revolutionized cooking, the microwave. Something that may have taken an hour or two now took minutes. Have you ever caught yourself standing in front of the microwave saying, would you just hurry up? You know, I thought about this too. Waiting can be such an extreme irritation or frustration sometimes. Has anyone been to Worlds of Fun or Silver Dollar City or Six Flags or someplace like that and it's busy? And, and here you find yourself standing in this line waiting to get on this ride. And you stand there for an hour or more. And then you finally get on. And it takes off and it goes 400 miles an hour, spins around, turns upside down, goes backwards and forwards all at the same time. You get off, you can't see straight, you can't walk straight, your stomach's upset. You just ruined your whole day. And you're thinking, why did I do that? <clears throat> I remember um, we went with the Halpins to Worlds of Fun one year. You know, it's been almost 10 years ago, Mike. 10 years. It'd been a long time since they'd been there. And Mike, in his wild side, rode the Timberwolf. And I remember the first thing he said when he got off, why would anyone ever want to do that again? <laughs> I loved it as we were racing to the next ride. <clears throat> but it is true that we just we don't like to wait. But think about this. When you're awake, you're waiting to go to sleep. And when you're asleep, you're waiting to wake up. You can't avoid it. You just can't avoid waiting. Why is it so hard for us to wait? <clears throat> you know, I thought about some of the things that just over the last year, maybe year and a half, that our family has waited on that have had a major impact in our life. And I just jotted a few of them down. This is just a few, but we waited for our first grandson to be born. We waited for our oldest son's wedding. We waited for Chris to leave to go to Iraq. Then we waited for Chris to come back from Iraq. We waited for the decision to be made about the lifetime books and gifts that I shared with you here a few months ago, about the business we were trying to buy. And now we're in a, a waiting mode for Annie, who is a little girl in Kansas City that we're <coughs> interested in adopting. And we waited for the results of, of Tam's surgery, and it came back, and it's great. But you know, no matter what we do, it seems like we're constantly waiting on something. We just can't avoid it. But again, we don't want to wait. We want to make things happen sometimes. I've heard someone say, if it's to be, it's up to me. If it's to be, it's up to me. I'm going to have to make it happen. I'm going to have to do it. Do you know there's times when God wants us to wait? And there's times when He does want us to, to push ahead, maybe, and, and take steps and, go, and step out on faith. And it's hard to understand. It's hard to know. It's hard to define the difference. It's a difference between being proactive and reactive. But you know, sometimes our own selfish desires cloud our thinking and they cause us to make hasty or bad decisions. 
and the results of these decisions most of the time are painful. They're not good. They're not the way we thought they should be. <clears throat> and as I thought about this, the first thing that popped into my mind was the situation with Abraham and Sarah. They wanted a child. God promised them a child. He promised them a son in Genesis 15. And they waited, and they waited, and they waited, and they had no son. And what were the wise thing for them to have done? Wait. Did they? Sarah didn't. What'd she do? She took matters into her own hands, brought Hagar into the picture, and Ishmael was born. And we know how that turned out. Ishmael, it says, was a wild man. He wasn't blessed at all by God. He had many enemies, and so would his descendants. And even at that point, they still had to wait another 14 or 15 years for Isaac to be born. They weren't willing to wait for God. At least Sarah wasn't. They took it upon themselves. But did God promise them a son? Yes, he did. Did he give them any kind of a time frame? No. Did they wait for his promise? Eh. Yes and no. Did God fulfill his promise? Yes, he did. He did. He brought them a son. You know, this idea of waiting on God in one way just kind of boggles my mind because when I think about here's the God who created this world in six days, everything we see, everything we know, everything we have, there's nothing that He can't do in the blink of an eye, the snap of a finger. But yet, sometimes He wants us to wait. In Galatians, Paul writes about the fruits of the Spirit. In Galatians 5, chapters, or excuse me, verses 22 and 23, he lists them out. Love, joy, peace, and then the one that seems to sense chills up and down our spines, patience. Patience sometimes is so hard to deal with. Has you ever heard your parents when you were little say, just be patient? Or caught ourselves telling our own children to just be patient? And I think about that, I think about vacations, especially driving vacations when we're all loaded up and we're in the car. And it's not that far, it's not that long, and we barely get on the highway. And what do I hear? How much longer? And I usually give one of my patent sarcastic answers, oh, three or four days. And then, of course, I'm reminded of the proverb that fathers are not supposed to exasperate their children. You know, someone once wrote that patience was a quality more to be admired than desired. And I don't know whether that's true necessarily or not, but I understand sometimes how that is. I thought about that too. I remember seeing a comic. And it was a picture of these two buzzards. They're sitting on a fence. And the one says to the other one, forget this patient stuff. I'm going to kill something. 
sometimes that's where we're at. We just don't want to wait. We're tired of waiting. We want to make it happen. We want to do it. You know, I love the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament. And some of the word pictures, the prophecy, um, it's just a great book. And he writes in chapter 64, verse 4, For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard nor perceived by the ear, nor has the eye seen any God besides you who acts for the one who waits for him. And you know, when you think about that, the secret of life, the reason for our existence, the truth, it's not going to be discovered by what we can see or what we can hear or what we can find. It's not going to be discovered by any empirical evidence, any objective evidence that we can put our hands on. And it's not going to be figured out by some scientist that has a rational conclusion. If we truly want to see God's plan for our lives, if we want Him working in our lives, then we have to be willing to let Him do it. We have to be open. We have to be submissive. And I've heard Mike say before, we have to be willing to be inconvenienced. And inconvenience sometimes is what? Waiting. We need to wait for God to do what God does best. What's that? Everything. He makes no mistakes. If He wants us to wait, then it's perfect. It's just what we need. And we can say, I don't want to, I don't want to. All we want, and it's not going to change a thing. So, instead of bucking the system or instead of tipping over the apple cart, we need to focus on why God wants us to wait. And there's, there's different reasons. In each person's life, there's going to be different reasons. <clears throat> But we have to realize and we have to understand that waiting on God doesn't mean we're lazy. It doesn't mean we're indifferent. It means that we need to be ready to obey His commands. We need to be alert. When I thought about this, I refer a lot to to Chris and his time in the Marines because in the situation he's in, whether he's in Iraq, whether he's in the United States, wherever he's at, If he's in uniform and he's approached, Kevin can relate to this, by a senior officer, what do you do? You snap to and you salute. I mean, just like that, at a heartbeat. You don't think about it. You don't. You snap to and you salute. They're ready. They're always ready. And they're ready for his command. He may tell them to run around the base ten times, and that's what they have to do. That's where God wants us to be. He wants us to be ready. He wants us to be alert so that when he comes into the picture... We can snap to and be ready to obey his commands. We have to be ready when he speaks to us. Because while we wait, he works. He works in our lives. And you know, it takes time for God to teach us patience. Because it's one of those things that's just hard for some of us. And if we want to be in his will, if we want him working in our lives, all the time... 
as the kids would say today, 24-7, 365. If we want Him to change our attitudes, if we want Him to change our thinking, if we want Him to change our behavior, if we want Him to help us understand His truth, we might have to wait for His timing. Listen to what Peter says in his second epistle, chapter 1, verses 2 through 8. He writes, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful, in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I think the key to that is verse 4, where he says, we will receive exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these we may be partakers of the divine nature. You know, the last couple of times I've been up here, I, I, I talked about, the trials and tribulations that, that we go through in life and how we can deal with those and how we can take them head on and then about trust and how we need to trust in God, not in ourselves. Patience and waiting tie right in with all of that because in order to be able to, to deal with the trials and tribulations, in order to be able to trust God, we have to be willing to wait and be patient and persevere. <clears throat> Waiting for God to work His glory in our lives. He's actually prepared to share His glory with us. I mean, that's, that's awesome to me to think about that. We can actually revel in His glory. We can be fruitful, it says, in the knowledge of Jesus. I mean, that's just an awesome thought. But even better yet, someday it'll be a realization. It won't be a thought anymore. It'll be real. We'll be with Christ. You know, right now, we're a statistic. We're just a consensus, another face in the crowd <clears throat> in this world. It's pretty nondescript. But when we have that relationship with the Lord, the Bible tells us that we're sanctified, we're set apart for Him and with Him. Paul describes this as being an alien. And an alien is here, but not from here. They don't belong here. I thought about when Jesus told his disciples when he was leaving them. He said he was going away to prepare a place for them. That's the same place he's prepared for us. But... In the meantime, he wanted them 
to keep on working, to keep on spreading the gospel. And then he told Peter to feed his sheep and wait for his return. That sounds like a pretty good plan for us, right? Working, spreading the gospel, and waiting. Sounds simple enough. And you know, I've, I've shared in the past my desire to work from home and the opportunity that we had to purchase the business that, that didn't happen. But I've been praying and waiting for several years now for a change in my occupation, if you will, that hasn't come. There hasn't been one. And I don't want to seem ungrateful. I don't want to seem unappreciative for what I have. Because I really feel like the Lord is just nudging me to do something else. And if so, if I wait, then He'll provide something. But I need to keep on working and I need to keep on doing what I'm doing until that time. A little earlier I mentioned that, that we needed to be alert and be prepared. And that reminded me of a story I heard about an old man who lived by himself in a little town in a river basin. His name was Jake. And one day the rains came and the river started to back up. It started to crest. And people came through and said, Jake, we need to, we probably should leave here. The water's going to be coming here pretty soon. And Jake said, no. I'll wait. I'm waiting for the Lord. He'll he'll take care of me. Okay. So, a few days later, the water had crested and it was up in the house. And someone comes by in a boat. And Jake's on the second floor and they said, Jake, come on. You know, you need to come with us. And Jake said, no, I'm okay. I'm going to wait for the Lord. He said he'd take care of me. So, a few days later, the water's in the second floor and Jake's on the roof. And a helicopter comes by. And the guy in the helicopter says, hey, grab the rope and we'll pull you up. And Jake says, that's okay, I'm, I'm waiting for the Lord. He'll take care of me. Well, the water peaked. Jake didn't make it. <clears throat> so he's standing before the Lord and he says, Lord... I don't understand. You, you said you were going to take care of me. And God says, well, Jake, I, I sent a guy with a truck. I sent a guy with a boat, and I sent a helicopter. And what more did you want? <clears throat> and the reason that I, I said that is because sometimes we get so caught up in things that we're trying to do for ourselves and, and in ourselves that we don't see what God's trying to do for us. We need to be alert and prepared. And when I think about waiting, and, and some of the times that I've had to wait for things, it doesn't compare to some of the, the stories in the Bible that talk about waiting. Just, you know, the Israelites, they waited 400 years for their deliverance from Egypt. And then once they were set free, they waited another 40 years for the Promised Land. 
I think about Noah waited over a hundred years as he was building the ark for the rains to come patiently. And even Jonah, as he's waiting in the belly of the great fish for three or three days, he's waiting for God to change his heart. So why is it so hard for me to wait for things that are just right around the corner sometimes? I think I could probably use some lessons from from some of those guys on how to wait. (coughs) And if I seemed a little skeptical earlier when I mentioned the good things come to those who wait... How about if I change that phrase to say good things come to those who wait for God? And I think we could all agree that that'd be the case and that would be a true statement. It sheds a little different light on the subject when you put it that way. And when I think about it, there are so many things that God does provide for those who wait, those who wait for Him. There's so many areas of our life that we don't even think about sometimes. And I looked at a few of these in in Scripture, and the first one I want to look at is protection. And the verse is Psalm 33, 20. And it simply says, Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. When I think about a shield... The shield has always been synonymous with protection. In battle, the warrior, the shield was a very important part of his arsenal. And although it was a defensive weapon, you still could say that it may have even been more important than a sword. And God is our shield. God is our protection. You know, all of us at some point have suffered some sort of physical injury or pain at some point in our life, some more than others. But as a Christian, when we accepted Christ as our Savior, we turned our souls over to Him. We gave Him ownership of our eternity. It's His to do with as He pleases. And that's our protection. It's eternal protection. It doesn't, that's not to say that He doesn't protect us here on earth. Because I know He does. Because I'm sure there's many calamities that I've been spared from in my life that I don't even know about. <clears throat> but you know, Satan is alive and well. And he's going to pull out all the stops. He's going to do everything he can to disrupt and distract and discourage our relationship with the Lord. And He can make our lives here on earth miserable. But He can't touch our souls. Because as a Christian, again, God has built an impenetrable fortress around it. He can't have it. He can't touch it. It's this picture I think about. Here we are in Jesus' hands. And here, God has His hands wrapped around Jesus, around us. It's the ultimate protection. There's nothing in this world that can protect us any better than that. There's nothing that compares to that. 
God's protection, eternal life with Him, He promised us through Christ, is worth waiting for. Something else I thought about. Guidance, teaching. Psalm 25, 4 and 5 says, Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. On you I wait all the day. I know I need understanding. And I want to understand more about Scripture and about the truth and what it reveals. And I do want God to show me His ways. I want Him to teach me His paths. And I'd like to have it now. But you know, it just might not be the right time. Maybe there's an issue in my life that needs resolved. Maybe there's a a sin that's causing a separation, that's causing a, a, a thorn in my side that's causing separation. Or I might just not be willing to wait to let him do what needs to be done. I thought about airports when I was thinking about this, and I'm not really sure why that popped into my mind, but if you've ever flown and you've been to the airport, you know that airports are very busy places, especially in a big metropolitan area. There's a lot of flights in, a lot of flights out, and they're all scheduled. They have scheduled times to land, to take off. And let's say that you have a flight and it's scheduled for 8.30 in the morning. And you get there at 8.45. Chances are your plane's probably already left because they don't wait. They won't wait. They may have one last boarding call. They shut the door and away they go. And you might still be standing in the parking lot when they fly over your head. On the other hand, let's say you have that same 8.30 flight and you get there at 7. You're all checked in. You're all ready to go. And as you're waiting, you hear an announcement come over the intercom that your flight's been delayed. I suppose you can go and try to change your flight, and usually that is about a worthless thing to do because it either costs so much more or they can't find you a flight. So what do you do? You wait. You don't have a choice. And, you know, I don't want to compare God to an airport. That's pretty silly. But it's just a good reminder for us that God's timing is not always our timing. And that there's going to be times that they don't coincide. But if I really want to learn more about God and His ways, I or we are going to have to be willing to wait. And while I'm waiting, I need to continue to read. I need to continue to study the scriptures, study His Word. The information is all there. Sometimes we need clarity. And I realize there's going to be things that I may never understand. And just for whatever reason, I just may never understand. But I'm okay with 
knowing what He wants me to know. I'm satisfied with that. I, I want to know what God wants me to know. Just briefly, um, the movie, Bruce Almighty. Has everyone seen that? Most everybody? Just real quickly, it's about a guy whose life is not going so well, and his job is not going well, and his relationship with his girlfriend is not going well, and he's not a very happy guy. And Through the course of the first part of the movie, he's been talking to God about why all this is happening, and he just wants something good to happen, and it just nothing good happens. It just keeps getting worse and worse and worse, and finally he just comes to a point where a scene in the movie says, all right, God, I'm throwing down the gloves, and it's just, it's up to you, you know, it's you and me now. And so God arranges a meeting with him, and basically Morgan Freeman is, is God in the movie. He does a great job. But anyway, he basically says, okay, you don't think I'm doing such a good job? Then you be God. You take over. I'll give you all the power. But along with that comes the responsibility. And throughout the course of the movie, he finds out that he doesn't make a very good God. And he, he, doesn't, he doesn't do as good a job as God can do because none of us can, and he realizes that. And in the end, he's on his knees, and he says, God, I just can't do it. I, I've, I just can't do it. And we can't do it without him. And we can't do it without waiting for him. One more thing I want to look at is that those who wait for the Lord are blessed. We are blessed. And in Isaiah 30, again, Isaiah writes, Therefore the Lord will wait that He may be gracious to you, and therefore He will be exalted, that He may have mercy on you, for the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are those who wait for Him. And in this particular writing here, he's talking about Judah, and Judah had been um, not very patient with God. They, they weren't willing to wait. They were not doing what they should be doing, and they weren't heeding Isaiah's warnings. They were talking about or considering a relationship with Egypt because they were afraid of the Assyrians. And God had already warned them in Deuteronomy not to go back to Egypt. He said, you shall not return that way again. But yet here they were considering it. They weren't trusting in God. They weren't willing to wait for Him, so they were going to go to the Egyptians. And what does God do? He doesn't pass judgment. He waits for them so that He can be gracious to them so that he can have mercy on them because he is a God of justice and he will wait for us and we have to wait for him we have to wait for him he wants us to have the opportunity to do the right thing to make the right decisions to say the right things he wants to bless us and he will if we wait for him I wanted to read this little story that I found on the internet. It's, it's called Dime Store Stuff. 
The cheerful little girl with bouncy curls was almost five. Waiting for her mother at the checkout stand, she saw them. A circle of glistening white pearls in a pink foil box. Oh, please, Mommy, can't I have them? Please, Mommy, please. Quickly, the mother checked the back of the little foil box and then looked back into the pleading blue eyes of her little girl's upturned face. A dollar ninety-five. That's almost two dollars. If you really want them, I'll think of some extra chores for you, and in no time, you can save enough money to buy them for yourself. You know, your birthday's only a week away, and you might get another dollar bill from Grandma. So as soon as Jenny got home, she emptied her piggy bank and counted out 17 pennies. After dinner, she did more than her share of chores, and she went to the neighbor and asked Mrs. James if she could pick dandelions for 10 cents. And on her birthday, Grandma did give her another new dollar bill, and at last she had enough money to buy the necklace. Jenny loved her pearls. They made her feel dressed up and grown up, and she wore them everywhere, Sunday school, kindergarten, even to bed. The only time she took them off was when she went swimming or had a bubble bath, because Mother said if they got wet, they might turn her neck green. Jenny had a very loving daddy, and every night when she was ready for bed, he would stop whatever he was doing and come upstairs to read her a story. One night, when he finished the story, he asked Jenny, Do you love me? Oh, yes, Daddy, you know that I love you. Then give me your pearls. Oh, Daddy, not my pearls. But you can have Princess, the white horse from my collection, you know, the one with the pink tail. Remember, Daddy, the one you gave me? She's my favorite. That's okay, honey. Daddy loves you. Good night and he brushed her cheek with a kiss. About a week later, again after the story time, Jenny's daddy asked, Do you love me? Daddy, you know I love you. Then give me your pearls. Oh, Daddy, not my pearls. But you can have my baby doll, the brand new one I got for my birthday. She is so beautiful, and you can have the yellow blanket that matches her sleeper. That's okay. Sleep well. God bless you, little one. Daddy loves you. And as always, he brushed her cheek with a gentle kiss. A few nights later, when Daddy came in, Jenny was sitting on her bed with her legs crossed, Indian style. And as he came close, he noticed that her chin was trembling, and one silent tear rolled down her cheek. What is it, Jenny? What's the matter? Jenny didn't say anything, but lifted her little hand up to her daddy, and she opened it, And there was the little pearl necklace. And with a little quiver, she finally said, Here, Daddy, it's for you. With tears gathering in his own eyes, Jenny's kind Daddy reached out with one hand to take the dime store necklace. And with the other hand, he reached into his pocket and pulled out a blue velvet case with a strand of genuine pearls. And he gave them to Jenny. He'd had them all the time. He was just waiting for her to give up the dime store stuff so that he could give her the genuine treasure. You know, Jenny's father is like our Heavenly Father. 
he's also waiting for us to give up the dime store stuff and seek him first because he wants to open the gates, the floodgates of blessings on us. So many that we may not even have room to hold them all. In closing here this morning, I just want us to think about three things. First of all, are we patiently waiting for Him? Are we willing to wait until He speaks? And are we making ourselves available to Him? Because He will work in us and through us if we're available and we wait for Him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I don't understand sometimes why it's so hard for me to want to wait for you to work in my life. Lord, I have seen the miracles. I have seen what you have done throughout history and throughout my family and even in my own life. I've seen what you can do. But yet there's times I'm just impatient and I want what I want. Lord, I just pray that you would give us all a sense of urgency to be patient. I know that sounds a little difficult, but Lord, we can do it. We can wait. We can be patient. You've told us that waiting for you would bring blessings and mercy and protection. God, may we just be willing to do that. I thank you for this time together this morning, Father. Bless the rest of our day as we praise and worship you with open hearts. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.